following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Would you take a minute and pray with me? Lord, your word is full of stories. And so we give you thanks for this time that we get to spend over the next couple of weeks in Bible stories and the good news they bring for us. In your son Jesus' name, amen. So as we gather together, we come around the word, we know that scripture is full of stories. And I think if you've been in church at all, if you've spent time in the Bible, you probably have some favorites. Now, here's the thing is sometimes you look at favorite stories and they actually kind of can be tinged, right? I think of Jonah and the whale, right? This is a story that as a kid you hear all the time. But think about living in the belly of a large fish for a little while. Because you think like, I, you know, it's always pictured as like, here's Jonah and he's built a campfire in the whale's stomach. And it's like, nope. Have you ever smelled a fish? Now imagine being inside of it, right? Like, this is not as fun as we make it out to be. You know, think about Daniel in the lion's den. Incredible story. But how many of you are going, you know what, I trust the Lord, and just jumping into the lion enclosure at the zoo, right? This is like, this is like the worst death penalty around. Like, their death penalty is, we'll throw this dude in with a bunch of lions and see if he's there in the morning. But we get these stories that can teach us so much. And they show us so much about who God is and who we are as his people. And over the next five or six weeks, we're going to get to spend time in these stories. Now, it's my favorite Bible story, not yours. Sorry, I get to pick. But we're going to have some guest preachers coming through. And listen, I was excited to see what they were going to preach on. And next week, Mike Coppersmith, who's been through um, a couple times to step in and, and preach for me. I was like, yeah, Mike, just pick your favorite Bible story. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great. What's he going to, he picked Jehoshaphat, which I know all of you are like, yes, Jehoshaphat, also my favorite Bible story. But I love the uniqueness of it. We'll get to hear about that. We'll get to hear about the baptism of Jesus. We'll get to hear about uh, Mary and Martha. We'll get to spend time in these stories and see how God is at work. So the first story I want to dive into is the fiery furnace. So we got like kind of the end of the story in our scripture reading today. We're going to go back. If you got a Bible with you or a Bible on your phone, pull it out. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you could either download the Bible app on your phone. We also have a bunch of Bibles in the back if you want to take one home. But we're going to start in Daniel 1, but spend most of our time in Daniel Three. So the first thing I want to talk about is the exile. So the nations of Israel and Judah have been set up, but what happens is as they are disobedient to God, they wander further and further from him. And as they wander further and further from him, they start trying these adventurous expeditions into imperialism. They want to become an empire. They want power like the nations around them. So they go to war with the Egyptians and the Babylonians. 
And here's what happens. Daniel 1, 1 through 4. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the names are going to be fabulous today, by the way. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So the Chaldeans are the Babylonians. That's the area. So this, this is an artist's rendering of what that might have looked like. So Jerusalem is sacked, and then King Nebuchadnezzar orders the bringing out of the royal line and of the young people of Judah. Now, the purpose of this is, if you pull those people out who are good-looking, who are wise, who are charismatic, what you remove are most of the people who would rebel against you, who could lead a rebellion to fight this invasion. And what he wants is not only pull them out, but he also wants them to be trained up in the ways of Babylon. He wants them to become part of the culture. So this is the road they would have taken. So from Judah, now it's interesting, why not a straight line? What's in between those things in a straight line? Desert. That is just straight desert. So they follow the road up the Mediterranean and then down the Euphrates River to Babylon. And so these people are brought into exile, into a place they do not know amongst the people whose ways are not their own. And this is what happens. Daniel 1, 5-7. through The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. So he's treating them fairly decently. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the unit gave them names. Daniel, he called Belthazar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now listen, I've heard that name pronounced 80 different ways. All right, Alice killed the reading this morning. Right? She got Shadrach, Meshach, Abendo, Nebuchadnezzar. Check. Right? So Abendigo, I've heard Abednego. I've heard all these things. We're doing Abendigo. All right? That's what we're doing today. If you want to argue with me on it, my favorite Bible story. So Aben, these three guys, these four guys, we're going to focus on the last three. Because what happens is they're being integrated into that. Now, here's some ideas of what Babylon would have looked like at this time, that you have this majorly walled city that when they are brought in, sure, they're coming from Jerusalem, which has walls, which has infrastructure, but you come into Babylon, and it is amazing. These blue gates you see here, this lead-up right there, those are called the Ishtar Gates, named after the goddess Ishtar. Now, I want to give you an idea of what this would feel like. These are the smaller of those gates, the Ishtar gates. This is at the Pergamum Museum 
in Berlin. Chelsea and I actually got to go there last October. And so the Pergamum Museum, they didn't have the full gates. What they had is if you look around some of the animals, it's kind of discolored. They had those things. So they extrapolated, they put this together and then built the rest of it. But you can see these were the short gates. And you can see the people in comparison. And could you imagine walking in out of your country and you're brought in and here are these giant blue gates. So they're integrated into this culture that must have seemed so strange. Now, we're going to jump ahead to Daniel 3 because they're integrated, they're part of the court, they're learning the ways of Babylon. But then something happens. Nebuchadnezzar thinks pretty highly of himself. And so this happens. Verse 3, 1, and then 4 through 6. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every other kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the fiery furnace. Will, can you give me the image? This is probably, this is an artist's rendering. Now, the 60 cubits by 9 cubits, uh, a cubit is actually your elbow to your hand. So we just think a foot and a half, maybe, right? But that was how they would have measured. Like, I can imagine the measure twice, cut once rule, and you're just going, one cubit. You know, it's, it's crazy. But they say about a foot and a half. So this statue, this idol, this golden idol, would have been 90 feet high by 9 feet wide. So what is 90 feet high? I looked and I thought, how many stories? How many feet in a story? So you're looking at about six and a half stories. So as you come... Here's what you see. Seton Williamson, which is just around the corner from here, as you drive is six stories tall. So don't think about the cross and the, the big tower, but that, that line there, that top story, it's even maybe a little too short. But that's how tall this golden idol was. And the command was to bow down to this idol. So here's what happens. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden idol that you set up. What an expression of faith that they go, listen, king, yes, we believe he can save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. And this is what happens in the furnace. First off, in between, they get thrown into the, because we could read like 15 verses, but I, I skipped a few so we can make it through the sermon. But as they're being thrown into the furnace, the king is so upset, he's like, stoke the fires, that the guys that throw them in get incinerated. But here these three are thrown in, and here's what happens. 
He answered and said, but I see four men unbound in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's counselors gathered and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and the smell of the fire had come up upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their house, houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God able to rescue in this way. And here's what's crazy about this, is I love, like, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just stand up and say, no, we're not going to bow down. They get thrown in the furnace, the king freaks out, hears this fourth figure with them, an angel-like figure, now quick sidebar, we get this idea in theology called the Malak Yahweh, which is the messenger of Yahweh, of God. Well, here, hint, hint, this is the pre-incarnate Christ, a lot of theologians believe. So this is like, put an asterisk next to this. This is like Ted's personal theology. I might get to heaven, and the Lord goes, that's not how it worked. But I think it's cool, is that this is possibly Jesus pre-incarnate stepping in to save these men. This is the son of the Trinity stepping in to say, I even rescue my people here. But I love too that Nebuchadnezzar is awed and he's wowed, but even his reaction goes too far, right? Because he goes, listen, nobody's going to take on their God. And to make sure that that God doesn't get mad at me, if they do take on their God, I'm going to wipe them out, which is not like what God wanted. But Nebuchadnezzar was like, just to be safe, I'll put their house in ruins and tear them limb from limb which shows us that even like the witness of these three men, what God has done changes the heart of this king, but not quite enough, (laughs) right? It's still like, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, a little too far, man. Just like, be like, man, if you talk bad, I'm gonna send these guys to tell you why God's so good. Nope, we're gonna tear you limb from limb. But what I love about this story that I've heard since I was a child is not only the incredibleness of it, is not only the miraculous salvation, it's that these three men would say, even if we are destroyed, we will not bow. And they are a people in exile, far from home, far from their temple, and they look at the king who holds in his hand the power to destroy them. And they say, we will not bow. And I think that idea of a people in exile is something we can connect with. I want to watch this Bible project video on the idea of exile as it kind of, we begin the end of the sermon here to give us an idea of what this might mean for us today. So that's a major reason I love this story is it gives us an example as Jesus follows, as people seeking after him to say, We live in that tension. That we live in the tension of the kingdom that's to come even while living here. And it doesn't mean that we either 
fight back completely or give in completely, but we live in this place that says, I serve the kingdom that's to come. I live in that place. And when I struggle with that, I go back and I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three men who said, listen, we'll serve you, king. We'll, we'll help the, the kingdom. Jeremiah, this prophet they mentioned, would even say, pray for the prosperity of your city, for when the city prospers, you prosper. But when it comes to that point, you say, listen, I know who I serve. And no matter what happens, I serve Him. Because we are members of a kingdom where Jesus bought us at a price that our forgiveness is granted to us. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that through this story of a furnace and destruction, we see your saving ways. Lord, that when we encounter trying times, when we run up against the ways of this world of the Babylon that seeks ways that aren't yours, we could stand and look and say, we will not bow. But Lord, not in arrogance, not in anger, not in rebellion or in servitude, but instead standing firmly in the grace of the kingdom of God. Lord, we know the trials will come. We know struggle will happen. So when we come into the fires, may we be bold to remember that you save your people. Or that as we live in exile, we rejoice in what you've done for us. In your son Jesus' name, amen.